Kids, we'll call you up in a minute, so go ahead and get your paper ready. You're going to bring it with you. Uh, tonight, we're going to go, uh, we're going to spend a few minutes considering a couple of short um, parables that Jesus told and think about what they might mean for us. Uh, it's in Matthew 13. And uh, we're going to have the kids come up here in a minute, but for now, we're going to talk about a couple of these parables, and I want to read the scriptures to you. Now, I, I want you to know they, they come in the midst of this kind of rapid fire, just super quick, one after the other parables that Jesus tells, right? And they're all parables that are just a little bit strange, probably less strange to us even to those who first heard them, right? They're just a little bit odd stories. The first one he talks about making comparisons to what the kingdom of God is like. He talks about the kingdom of God being like someone who seemingly ruins a perfectly good field that they could plant things in and grow things in that they might be able to sell or live off of instead they fill that field with, they take one small mustard seed, and when they plant that mustard seed, it takes everything over, right? And while mustard seeds, there is some medicinal value to that, and, you know, it, it's nice for creation, birds can nest in it, those kind of things. It is a catastrophically bad decision uh, for what you would do with a perfectly nice field if you owned it. But this person decides to plant this thing, right? It would be like you going to whatever landscaping store that you like best, and saying, do you have any kudzu seeds for my grass, right? They would look at you funny, and they would not think you meant it, because no one intentionally gets kudzu going on their property. I don't know if you've ever tried to get rid of that stuff. I have. It is impossible. It is, spiritually speaking, of Satan. And so you would not want to do this to your property. Yet the hero of this story, and the comparisons made to the kingdom of God, this kind of weed that grows everywhere. And then the next... It talks about, he talks about a woman, a kingdom of God being like a woman who takes some yeast and works it through this amount of dough. And understand that this is a Jewish audience, and these, uh, typically a Jewish woman would be serving, would want unleavened bread. In fact, they might even do a deep clean of their place to make sure that nothing got in to this unleavened bread. And yet here, this woman is intentionally working this yeast in. And uh, my understanding is the amount that they talk about in this parable means that there's going to be just an absurd amount of bread by the end of this. Uh, it's, just, it's just a world-class kitchen mistake that's being made. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. So after these two stories, uh, then Jesus rattles off a couple more parables in the next three verses that instigate us to think about what we value and the way it is like the kingdom of God. So let's read the scripture, and then we'll get the kids up here uh, for my attempt at a kid's lesson. We'll see what happens. All right, Matthew 13 and we're just going verses 44 through 46. And it says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes, sells all that he has, and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. All right, we don't usually do this in our church, so some of you may not know how this works. But we're going to have a children's sermon time. What that means is I want all young people with their sheets that we gave them, you don't have to be finished yet, but I want you all to come on up and like sit on all the steps up here. And I'm going to reenact one of those precious moments, pictures of Jesus with the children just spread around down here.
there's enough room. I'm going to sit here with you. Pardon the noises I make when I squat down. Okay. I know I make weird noises when I squat down. It's called being old. All right. So we, uh, each of you guys have got some, man, some of you got a lot of work done in yours. Here, can I hold yours for a second, Elaine? Have we met before? Nice to meet you. I'm just going to read the top part. I'm just going to read the top part. It's okay. I would never embarrass my beautiful children. Okay. So we asked all of them to fill this sheet out and uh, to color inside this suitcase uh, based on the answer to the question. So here, and here's what it says if you haven't had a chance to see it. It says your family is taking a trip for the next 30 days. It's like a whole month. You're going to be gone. Your clothes and toothbrush and shoes are already packed in the car. You can only take one thing from your room. What will you take? And then we ask you to draw and write uh, the item below. So how many of you guys have started working on this? Let me see. Most, almost you guys have something finished already. My goodness, you are fancy. All right. So who, and let's, let's do raising hands so we don't all yell at each other. Uh, who wants to raise their hand and tell me what they put in theirs? All right. Let's start right here. Your hands, what, what, what are you putting in yours? A lion? Is that a stuffed lion or do you have a real live lion? Okay, a stuffed lion. Good. Because I would not recommend a lion on a road trip at all. Um, we did that once and it was a bad idea. Okay, who else wants to share with me? me? All right, what did you say? Um, I have my tablet. Your tablet? So is that like a, a stone tablet, like with the Ten Commandments on it because you're <laughs> so in tune with the Lord's will? That's like 10 BC. <laughs> what kind of tablet are you talking about? <laughs> it is roughly 10 BC. What, what kind of tablet do you mean then? Explain what's on that. What's on the tablet? Uh, games. Oh, so like something you can play video games on. Yeah. All right. How many of y'all put something that you can play video games on? Yeah? Yeah? Did you put? You didn't know? You're giving me a look. I'm kind of scared of what you put in your bag. All right. So a couple of, who else wants to tell me what they put in their bag? All right, what'd you put? Sleep mask. Now that is very practical. I like that. Because you sleep better with a sleep mask, right? Keeps everything dark and... See, I like, I like the way you think. All right, who else? Yeah. What's your, your favorite book in there. What is your favorite book? You like the Hunger Games series. Oh, man. That's some heavy reading right there. For Okay. You're going to be totally comfortable with the Old Testament texts we've been reading in the last few years. All right. Because they're very, very similar. Right, who else? Who else wants to? Yeah, what you got? Your iPad. All right. Let's go in. Is there, do you have a particular, like, thing you like to do on the iPad more than anything else? Like one game or something or... You're just an all-around iPad enthusiast. Okay, that makes sense. All right, what about you? What you got in there? An English bulldog named Bully that's a stuffed animal. All right, is that like your favorite one? Have you had it like since you were really little or something? Or just, uh, is it your favorite one? Why is it your favorite one? Because it's big. So you're going to take up as much room as you can in the car. For the, I understand. Hey, you, you need what you need. That's, that's a, that is a solid choice. You need to get a larger tablet is what you need, and then you'd be good to go. Uh, what, did, what, did you, what are you going to bring, you think? You don't want to tell? Okay. All right, you can tell me later on. Anyone else? All right. I think you all made some pretty good choices. Uh, I noticed that my daughter didn't tell me what she was going to bring. You're not doing it? Did you, did you say iPad? No. You know you're not supposed to lie in church, right? <laughs> okay. You wouldn't bring your iPad? Okay, all right. I'll tell you what, you know, my, my books, that is something that's in your room right now. That's right. Okay, yeah, what did you, what did you want to bring? What is it? 
Your cousin moved to your mom's house? Would you want to bring your cousin along? You like hanging out with your cousin? Her name is Kaylin. Well, that's very nice. You'd bring Kaylin along. I'm sure she'd be a little stuffy in the suitcase, but... Oh, you help pack her up in the car. Well, that was very nice of you to help help move. Yeah, I think my my son Chapman he just turned four and he got for his birthday a Spider-Man outfit, and he has been wearing it nonstop around the house. And in fact, his mom took little ropes and stuffed them down in the sleeves because he wanted to have webs. They don't exactly shoot out; they more fall to the floor. But he's very excited about. It. I think you think Chapman? I think Chapman would bring that, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. All right, so what we're, what we're going to talk about in the next couple minutes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to go back to your seat. I want you to finish. If you haven't finished that yet, or there's other coloring sheets I think that you can do. So y'all head back, and we're going to talk a little bit about what we value the most, all right? They did all, you all did awesome. Thank you so much. You're the man. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was way more nervous about that than any sermon I've done in a long time. I was pretty <laughs> I'm a big fan about those questions of values, of like what you like the most. I, I like to hear people's top favorite movies. I like to hear what your desert island albums are. I like to know what that one thing is you'd grab from the house. Uh, although instead of a trip, they normally say your house on fire. I thought that was a little disturbing image, so we won't go with that. But I think those are really interesting uh, questions. And I don't think you can overestimate the importance of us really considering what is it that we do value the most. Uh, one of the shows, one of the things I got really kind of obsessed with earlier this year was I tuned in to an episode of the show, and I believe it's called Alone, right? Not Alone, yeah. All of a sudden, I forgot the name. I was really into it, obviously. Um, and it was like the 12th season or something, and I, and I shared this on a Wednesday night how I got really into the show. But uh, the premise of Alone is that they take like, I don't know if it's 10 or 12 people who are kind of survivalist kind of folks, like the kind of people who are ready for the zombie apocalypse kind of thing. They're going to go out there and they're going to survive. They know how to live off the land. They know how to make their own everything. And they go to some remote part of the world, put them far away from each other so they'll never cross paths, but someplace where no one really wants to go to try to survive on their own. And all they have is what's in their backpack, right? They get to choose a couple of things to bring with them. And then it's, the show is just following them around like they, they film themselves. People check on them once a week to make sure they're still okay and all that kind of thing. But... Um, it's whoever lasts the longest. And so it could be months, right? And there's people who have lost like 50, 60, 70 pounds because they can't find food and all kinds of things happening. And it is raw humanity, right? Uh, and, and I just, I couldn't stop watching this, uh, this season of the show. I got really into all the characters, characters, they're actual human beings, uh, into their survival, into what they were doing. And so much of that show, as I was thinking about it, not only did I like it because it, it communicated kind of what is most essential about us people. Unlike most reality TV, which is um, anything but, you know, real, uh, this is actual people who are at their most elemental selves, right? But so much of the show hinges on what people place the most value on, uh, what they decide to put on their back, what they decide to work on first when they're feeling good, when they first get there, all those things. Like you'll have one person who's like, I know a lot of people bring something that's a fire starter. I didn't do that. I'm really good at starting fires just with wood and straw, so I didn't bring it. Fast forward to them on like day six, freezing, trying so hard to make fire with, out of nothing but wet materials and, you know, finally calling in and saying, I'm out. Or someone who goes, you know what, 
I think I'm going to survive if I feel comfortable. So they spend the first three days building this unbelievable little cabin for themselves with just one saw and amazing, and it's hinged doors and a fireplace and all kinds of amazing things. And they burned like 10,000 calories doing it, and then they got nothing left in the engine the second week, right? And they end up calling because they're, they're too tired and they're cozy in their cabin, but they're going home quickly, right? It's all about what you value most because it boils it all down to those things. It determines the course of everything. And the stories that we have tonight, these two little strange parables about the pearl of great price, about the field with the treasure in it, that's part of what makes these stories so intriguing to me and also so strange to me because they represent such weird priorities for the characters within them. First, we have a man who finds a treasure in someone else's field. That's a weird premise to start with, right? Is he trespassing? Is he just crossing through? Is he digging in someone else's property? Does he just happen to trip across a treasure? That seems a little unlikely, right? But he finds a treasure. Well, what do you do when you find a treasure? Obviously, you grab it, you stick it in your pocket, and you run, right? That's what people do. No, this guy reburies it, then goes and finds the owner, then purchases the property. I'm assuming without telling him there's a treasure on it, because that seems like a bad negotiating technique. And then he purchases this property so that he can have the treasure, right? He sells everything to own the property that has the treasure that he found buried in it. That's a weird way of going about things. Next, you have this merchant of fine pearls who finds a pearl of great price, the biggest, nicest pearl he could ever imagine. So when he finds that pearl, he sells everything he has to buy that one pearl. And that, on some level, you think, well, that, maybe that makes sense, right? He's into pearls. This is the best pearl ever. You sell everything. You get the pearl. That's great. But then there he sits with nothing but that one pearl that I assume he's not going to sell anytime soon because he values it so much, right? He no longer has a business. I don't know how you feed yourself or clothe yourself or do anything else, but he sure does have that pearl, doesn't he? Right? Seems like a weird way to run a business. Seems like a weird way to go about things. I'm not sure if these characters are meant to be shady or ignorant or just weird. But why are these the heroes? Why the mustard seed that grows? Why the yeast in the bread? Why these two people for the kingdom of God? I think these are both based on at least one thing for sure. I think they're based on the idea that there is something that is worth everything else. There's something that's worth everything else. And this something may not make sense to anyone from the outside. But if you encounter it, you know. I mean, you know that everything else must take a back seat. I may see just a thin little bit of fabric over my son's face as he's running around the house right now, but he knows that's Spider-Man's outfit. He knows how important it is, right? We know when we come across those things. According to Christ, this is what God's kingdom of love is like. And that kind of fits, doesn't it? Because a lot of it, a lot of this makes about as much sense as the parables and the characters within them do. Jesus tells us in the kingdom of God's love, if someone strikes you on one cheek, you should turn the other. That is no weirder than planting mustard seed in your nice fertile field. 
Jesus tells people in the, God, in the kingdom of God's love to love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's no stranger than putting yeast in the bread. Jesus says to forgive someone 70 times 7. That makes about as much sense as buying a field with the treasure buried in it that you already had in your hands. Jesus says to humble yourself and then you'll be left, lifted up. And this is about as counterintuitive as selling everything to have one pearl in your possession. Kingdom of God's love, they say, to seek to serve instead of to be served. It says the last or the first. It says that God becomes a human baby and dwells among us. These are weird things. It doesn't make sense. But our essential claim is that this is the thing we sell everything else for. This is what we value most. The kingdom is the one thing we will grab on the way out of the house. That our success, our reputation, our comfort, our wealth, our safety are all ordered under this most important thing. All these things get ordered under the love that lays itself down for its friend. This is what the kingdom of God is. It's not about religion, not about a certain set of beliefs. It's about ordering everything under the one thing that's worth it all. And I think that's what this story is really all, these stories are really all about. Because if you've ever dealt with the mystery of God's love, if you've ever encountered it within yourself, you know that it may not make sense to others, but we know what we've got when we encounter it. And it's the one thing that's worth everything else. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are thankful. We are thankful for the kingdom of your love. The place where the last are first and the first are last. The place where we love our enemies as we do our family. The places where we turn the other cheek. Where we meet hate with grace and forgiveness. God, in a world that does not value these things, may we see them for what they are. May we see them as the thing that is worth everything else. And Lord, tonight as we consider this treasure that is hidden in a field, as we consider this pearl that is worth everything else, may we consider whether or not we are ordering our lives under that one thing that is most important. God, we do love you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.